Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. I don't think I have to tell you how remarkable the times are that we're living in right now. The fact that I'm standing here and Barry is not tells us a little bit about what's going on in our world. These days I have a saying in our house uh, that me and my wife say on a pretty regular basis with our kids that we say that we are navigating the nose in our world right now with our kids. No, I'm sorry you can't go do that because we're in a pandemic. No, I'm sorry you can't go to the large group gathering with your friends. No, you do actually have to wear a mask to do this. Uh, No, you can't go with me because we're trying to be safe for both us and everybody else. We spend a lot of time navigating this new world And to be honest with you, every day, the choices that we make, every day we question, we question every day, are we making the right choices? Because right now, it's hard to tell the things that we're doing. Is it the right thing or the wrong thing? Is it okay? Is it not okay? And it's difficult sometimes for us to know exactly what it is that we're supposed to be doing in this world that we're navigating and find ourselves walking in. And that's not even including those people who may have been struggling in a storm before this pandemic even hit and now are having double storms. And it feels like they have a storm after a storm after a storm. And I've said this and many people have said it to me, we got to find a new normal. Well, what's normal about any of this? What is normal at all about this? What's normal about a pandemic? What's normal about open racism? What's normal about people dying? What is normal about everything going on? What's normal about politics right now even? What's normal? The crises of life have often been called stormy seas. They come upon us whether we like it or not. They terrify us. They knock us around and threaten our safety and our security. They rip away our sense of control as if we had any to begin with. We don't know whether we're going to be able to survive the storm, and we certainly have no idea how long it may last. This morning I want to tell you a story about a storm. This is a storm story you've probably heard hundreds of times growing up, but it's still worth us listening to this morning. If you read about storms in the Bible, if you read about things that are going on in the midst of storms in the Bible, almost always those lessons are how we live within the storm rather than how we get away from the storm, how we avoid the storm, how we just barely survive the storm. It's almost always about how we live within the storm. And the story this morning is from the New Testament. It's from Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm not going to be reading it. I'm just going to be telling the story. But there's other parallel stories, the same stories, and other Gospels uh, in Matthew 8 and in Luke 8 that you can go and read also. And this is how the story goes. Once upon a time, the day was ending, and the night was descending upon Jesus and his students, his disciples. And Jesus looks at them and says, hey, let's, let's go to the other side of the sea. Let's go over there. Let's go to the other side of the sea. And to us, that sounds a little weird, but it's the Sea of Galilee, not as big as we often think of when we say sea. And they say, we're going to go to the other side of the sea tonight. So they were already in a boat, and they take off to cross the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. As they're crossing, Scripture tells us a furious squall comes upon. A massive storm comes upon them. The, the storm is so big that waves are breaking over the boat. Now this isn't like you're on a raft in the Gulf of Mexico with the little bitty crests that come as you're trying to go in and out of the beach. 
These are massive waves coming over and over and over the boat. So much so that the story tells us that the the boat is filling with water. It's being swamped. And here you have these professional fishermen, these guys who most of them have spent their lives on the Sea of Galilee, and they become terrified. Because the storm that they're facing is beyond anything they've ever seen before. Because the storm that they're facing is beyond anything that they've ever had control of or even thought they could have control over. It's just happening to them and they have no choice. And the question that everybody runs into at this point is, where is Jesus? Well, Jesus is in the back of the boat on a cushion, sleeping. Can you imagine when all this chaos is going on, what's going through the disciples' minds, these students of his, his teacher is sleeping, and they're thinking, how could he possibly be sleeping through all this chaos? And there's a beautiful contrast we're supposed to see there between the calm and quiet and the crazy chaos that's going on there. All this is going on, and Jesus is catching some Z's on a pillow in the back of the boat. So after doing everything that they can do, They tried everything they could. They finally go wake up Jesus, and they wake him up. And this is what they say. They say, Jesus, we're going to die. We're going to drown. We're going to perish. Don't you care? Don't you care? Jesus gets up, looks out the storm, sees the wind and the waves and all the chaos that's going on as the waves are coming over the boat. And Jesus says, be quiet. Peace. Be still. Now, I don't know if he raised his hand like this, but I can't help but do that every time I say that. Words. The storm stops Immediately. The waves and the wind are calmed and broken. Now, normally when we hear this lesson, we read that text, we usually stop there when we're teaching it or talking about it. And we stop there because we want to have the big focus point to be that Jesus can calm and break the storms surrounding us in our lives. And that is absolutely true. I do not dispute that at all. He absolutely can. But I do not, I firmly do not believe that's what this text is really talking about. I think that there is another calmed and broken that this text is pointing us to that I want to focus on for a few minutes. Now, if we go back to that Mark 4 story, that same one, Jesus, right after he calms the storm, asks his disciples two questions. First, why were you so afraid? What do you mean, why was I afraid? Did you not see this massive supernatural storm that was filling our boat with water? We were going to die. You were going to die with us. Did you, what do you mean, why were we so afraid? Who wouldn't be afraid if that was happening to them, if they were being overwhelmed by the storm? And Jesus asked the second question, do you still have no faith? I got in a boat with you, Jesus. Those two questions are really what should be driving us to understand what really may be going on when Jesus said, quiet, peace, be still. 
There may be something else going on in the storm because I don't think it's the storm that Jesus, the storm going around the sea that Jesus was really concerned with. I believe fully that Jesus was more worried about the raging storm that was going on here and here with both the disciples then and his disciples now. I'm speculating here, but I really don't think Jesus was overly concerned about the storm. One, he was sleeping during it. I really don't think he was actually bothered by the disciples waking him up. I don't think that was the issue either, why he asked, why are you so afraid? Do you have so little faith? Do you have no faith? I don't think them waking him up from sleep was the problem either. Because asking questions is not a problem. God is perfectly fine with us asking questions. Barry's going to start a series soon that is about, can I ask that? And the answer, yes, you can ask that. That's how we grow in our faith is by questioning our faith and what it is that God may be having us do within our faith for ourselves and to the world. So yeah, you can ask that. He's okay with our questions. But the main question that was the issue was when they questioned if Jesus even cared. Don't you even care? What if in the middle of the storm, the disciples had gone with a crazy storm in the boat, they'd gone to Jesus, and they woke him up and they said, Jesus, there's this crazy, amazing supernatural storm that is overwhelming us, that is controlling us. We, have, we can't do anything about it. It's filling the boat. We think we're going to die. What should we do? I think if they asked that question, Jesus may have stopped and said, fabulous question. Because you see, I think asking that question leads us to understand that in the middle of the storms, our biggest problem is our inability to take it to God first, rather than our ability to try to do everything ourselves, control everything, try to get everything the way we think it should be. And then when we're frustrated and we can't do anything else, we look at God and we go, don't you even care? And maybe not even once listening to what God may be doing or wanting us to do. Do we think for one moment that Jesus didn't care? Do we, do we think for one moment that God does not care where we are right now? Sometimes some storms just come for a multitude of reasons. But every time, every single time a storm comes, God is there with us in the boat. Storms don't worry God. God's not concerned about these things. He's right there with us during them. He isn't terrified. He isn't impatient about the storm. He's not running around frantically. He's not worried. As a matter of fact, God is so calm about the storm, he can lay in the back of a boat and take a nap. But to us, sometimes it seems like God, Jesus, Holy Spirit are asleep at the wheel. Storms are raging around us. We're hurting both externally and internally. Anxiety, depression, fear, finances, all the things that we continually have struggles in our lives that are not minor things. They're huge things. And often, maybe just sometimes, we struggle in thinking, is God even there? Can he even see all the circumstances surrounding me? All the pain, all the hurt, all the struggles can he even see what's going on? Is God really in control of all this? Because if he is in control, why isn't he doing something about it? Does God even care? 
And like the disciples, we believe God's there. They had the luxury of actually seeing him sleeping in the back of the boat. We don't necessarily get that luxury. We believe he's there, and most of the time we just feel like sometimes he's just asleep. Just like at the storm on the Sea of Galilee that day. A psalmist had the same lament. This isn't the first time that Scripture tells us about how they believe God may be sleeping at the wheel. It's beautiful because it's a lament. It's, they're crying out to God. Psalm 44, 23 through 24 states, Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? And if there are not more prophetic words for where we find ourselves, those words misery and oppression. So many people today feel those words that are going on in misery and oppression. But here's what I want us to hear today. Here's kind of what I want us to walk away with. One of the things I want us to hear that I believe the calmed and broken is actually going on in this text. God uses the storm surrounding us to calm and break the storm raging within us. God uses the storm surrounding us to calm and break the storms within us. The question is, are we willing to let him do that? Are we really willing to let him do that? Are we really truly willing to say, Holy Spirit, do your will in me, with me, do your will with us, in us, do that, and then us actually surrender and let him do it in the midst of the storm? Are we willing to trust him enough to say, he's not asleep because he doesn't care, it's because he's so much in control, it doesn't matter at this point. Do we, are we willing to say, I want to be what you want me to be and I want to do what you want me to do without me running around frantically trying to fix everything before I actually come to you with it? Are we willing to say, make me into something new? Are we willing to surrender to how God may be transforming us? Romans 12, 2 is beautiful when it states, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect. Not sleeping, not drowsy, not uncaring, but his perfect will. Or, do we just want to go back Go back to where we were. Just go back to what things were like before the storm. Just get us out of the storm, and we go back to the way things were. And once we get back to what we call peace, then I'll worry about what God is doing in the midst. Just stop the storm first before I can actually pay attention to you, Lord. When the only way we define peace is with the absence of storms, we will always, always be disappointed with the life that we're living. Because part of life is living in storms. It is a universal thing for all human beings. We live in the storms, but what is worse is when we start to define peace as the absence of something, we stop allowing God to calm and break the storm inside of us and thus stop him from transforming us. We no longer surrender to what it is he's doing in us. This story from uh, Mark 4 is actually supposed to remind us and point us backward. And anybody who was reading this back in Jesus' time would have read this and understood, oh, there's another story like this. It's supposed to remind us of the story of Jonah. 
Another story where a man is sleeping in a boat and a supernatural storm is going on around him. And sailors are frantically running around the boat trying to save themselves. But for Jonah, there was a clear internal storm going on. God had called him to go show his love and his grace and his mercy to a city named Nineveh. But Jonah defies God and literally runs the opposite direction. You see, the Ninevites, well, they were Israel's enemies. The Ninevites, they were Gentiles. They weren't real Jews. They weren't Jews at all. Why should I go save them was Jonah's idea. And Jonah had this storm inside of him, this internal, racist, struggling storm inside of him that he could not bring himself to show God's love, grace, and mercy to people who were different than him. And so Jonah ran. And God sent a storm. God sent a storm storm specifically to redirect Jonah. Not just him physically, but to redirect the raging storm inside of him. God sent a storm to change Jonah, to transform Jonah so that he would be willing to do what he had never done before. Not just to go back to where he started, but to go 10 steps further into God's will and what God was calling him. And he used a storm to do it. To bring him to a place where he would do that. Something he'd never done before. Paul speaks about this idea beautifully in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, when he states this Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, it being the storm or the, the thorns in his side. But he, meaning God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Last week, uh, a guy named Keegan Stewart, a young adult here at Monterey, was teaching our adult Bible class or our video that we put out. And he was teaching in this series called The Fruit of the Spirit. The topic that week of the, of the fruit was peace. And King had said something that was so amazingly impactful to me that I haven't heard in a long time that just changed how I view some of these things. He stated this, Peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of something. Let that sink in. Peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of of something. I'm willing to bet that the disciples completely forgot that as they're standing in a boat with waves crashing over them, crazy chaos surrounding them in a boat with the creator of the universe. I'm willing to bet we too forget this in the midst of our own storms, our own struggles. Do we live with the presence of fear always running from storms, always trying to get back to where we were before, always struggling to do what we think we can do and control, and then when we're frustrated, we ask God, do you even care? Or do we look at the Creator in the middle of the storm and ask questions, God, what are you doing in this? 
What do you want us to do? What do you want us to be in the midst of the storm that's going on? What do I need to learn? Or as Jim Beck in some of the videos we've been putting out on Wednesday nights, Jim Beck would say is, what do we need to learn? Or what do I need to unlearn in the middle of this? Regardless of what may come, whether they be insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, pandemics, racism, when I am weak, then I am strong because you are in the boat with me. You have never walked away. Pray with me. God, we are in the middle of so many storms, and many of them we don't even know. Some are easy to see. Some are hidden. We ask for your grace and your presence and your spirit to rise up strongly, to allow us to be okay in the storm even when we're struggling, that we turn to you and ask you first, what do we need to do? What do we need to learn or unlearn? How do we let you take control of this rather than us fighting the storm on our own? God, remind us that we have never, ever walked this earth alone. You have always been present with us. Not only that, but you have surrounded us with a community, whether in this room or at your home. God's spirit is stronger than than physical distance. We praise you because you have made us wonderfully and fearfully. But it is by your strength that we live and move and have our being. That is our prayer this morning, Father. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the spirit that lives in us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen.